Hey everybody, I'm Jimmy Smith. Today on the MMA on Sirius XM podcast, I speak to Jake Shields about his teammate Nate Diaz's main event fight with Kamzat Shumayev at UFC 279 on Unlocking the Cage. Plus, Ryan McKinnell and Anthony Smith get some UFC 279 betting tips from MMA junkies Dan Tom on MMA Today. We are now joined by a very, very special guest who can shed some light on some very big subjects for us. Former UFC PFL welterweight Jake Shields. How you doing, my man? Been a busy-ass week. Uh, all the fighters in town, working out with Nate like, till like 1 a.m. last night. And I trained with my fighters this morning. Now going to work out again. So busy day, but having a good time. <laughs> Glad to hear it, man. Glad you're keeping busy, bro. So what I'm curious about, when it comes to this Kamzat Shemaya fight for Nate, which is coming up this weekend, Obviously, a, a, a big physical fighter, a guy who made 170, fought comfortably at 185 pounds. He has a grinding kind of style. He can take you down. He's big. He's heavy. Kind of like you, Jake. When I thought about somebody who could maybe mimic that style, I thought about you. Number one, what have you been doing to mimic the style of Kamzat Shemaev, and how has Nate been reacting to it, man? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I'm just getting over an injury, so I've only been able to train, you know, I'm starting to be healthy, but I can't train quite 100%, so I've mm. only trained them a little bit, more positionals and stuff, and, uh, you know, I do my best, but Nate, I gotta say, Nate's feeling good, I'm not gonna lie, I say it's an easy fight, this guy's extremely talented, but Nate feels, feels prepared, and I think he's gonna go out there and shock the world again. So he talked to Brett Akimoto about this fight, and a lot of what he talked about was the pressures on Kamzat Shemayev. Everybody's talking about me. Um, he's the bigger guy. He's the new killer. He's destroying everybody. Um, but I'm the guy everybody's talking about. The pressure's really on Kamzat Shemayev to do something spectacular in this fight. How is Nate's mentality going in like that? Is he fighting like it's free? He has nothing to lose? Tell me about the mental side of it, man. Yeah, I mean, there's always stress going to a fight, but overall he looks really confident, uh, confident and ready. And he is right. The pressure's on uh, on the other guy when he's like, what, like eight to one underdog, something crazy. So it makes it, I mean, I love going to an underdog. You go out there, you're supposed to lose. You can go out there and shock the world. The pressure is when you're a huge favorite. I remember those fights when I'm like a six to one favorite. And I hate it. I hate walking in there being like, man, I got to fight this guy. And I'm such a big favorite. So Nate's, Nate's in a good situation right now. Being on the other side of it, like you said, you've come, you've walked in a six to one favorite. Everybody thinks you're going to smash and crush somebody. Do you feel pressure to get the early finish? That if you know maybe the first couple of minutes don't work out, you you end up turning it up, maybe taking a big risk. What's the mentality you think, or the trap that Shemaev might fall into being the favorite, man? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. But I think the way he fights is always super aggressive. I think he's going to go out there and just attack, attack. I think that's his style and. uh I mean, he is tough. He is like that, you know, especially the first round or two. He's just so overwhelming. A lot of guys have a hard time dealing with him. So you have to be out there and go try to match his, uh, match his ferocity and wear him down. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, a few years ago, I was talking to Josh Thompson about the Frank Shamrock Tito Ortiz fight. Now, this is old. We're going to lose a lot of our audience, but Jake, I know yeah. you know it. You know I know it. But yeah. I was talking to Josh Thompson about that fight, and he said Frank didn't even try to stop Tito's takedown. Our whole game plan was make Tito work every second, every minute of every round, and Tito can't keep up with Frank. Frank knew, I got the bigger gas tank. Even if he takes me down, he's going to be defending and defending and defending, and I'm going to catch up with him that fourth and fifth round. And if you remember that fight, that's exactly what happened. Caught up with him in the fourth round and took him down. That idea of to be on top of Nate Diaz, you need to stay active. And Shemaev, to your point, being so aggressive, he hasn't been pushed in those late rounds. Is that part of the mentality of the strategy? Make him work, and you can catch him late. Is that part of it? 
I mean, he just wants to go out there and catch whenever he can. I mean, obviously, if he can catch him that first round, he's going to be looking for it. But I think, you yeah. know, the longer it goes, the more it's going to start favoring Nate. Again, you know, we don't know. We've never seen him fight one three rounds. We're not sure what his conditioning is going to look like. But he's, uh, but he fights so aggressively, it's hard to keep that pace for 25 minutes. What is it? And, of course, I'm speaking to Jake Shields, longtime training partner, the Diaz brothers, came up through Caesar Gracie. And I know from painful experience how heavy his top game is. I won't talk about that. But. Here's here's my point. Um, when when the Diaz brothers fight every time, when you fight, when Gilbert Melendez fights, all the scrap pack Caesar Gracie guys from back in the day, it's like they have a third gas tank that just other people don't have. How do you build that? Is it working in the gym every day? Is it a mental thing? But if one thing the Diaz brothers are known for is they don't quit in five-round fights ever. Where does that come from? How do you get it? How do you keep it? Yeah, I think it's just the way we came up training. We'd always go out there, and even if we were tired, we would we would keep training. So sometimes you'd have those bad days, and like, well, you still got to go over your five rounds, and you learn to push when you're tired. So it's not that we don't get tired. Of course we get tired, but it's learning to push and keep trying to finish the guy when you're exhausted. I think a lot of people don't have that. They get tired, and they start fading. You know, it's really true, Jake, and, and, and you know, you were in it a little before, but not a whole lot, end of the 90s, early 2000s, and it was one of those things where I remember coaches telling me, if you're tired, fight tired. You'll make adjustments when you're tired that you wouldn't make you've had all the gas. You'll be a little more efficient, right? You'll, be, you'll do things a little bit better because you're tired. Don't give up on those rounds. Don't sit out that, 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 one, that one roll where you're totally exhausted and you can't move. Get out there and do it again because you'll find a way to roll efficiency, uh, efficiently out of necessity. Do you think that's part of it, man? Yeah, we also used to have a lot of long training sessions may have been a factor. There'd be times where we'd go two, three hours straight jujitsu. you know. Sometimes we wouldn't put round timers on. I remember, you know, rolling with Nick, Nick a few times where we would go like two hours straight, no breaks, just because we're both stubborn trying to tap each other out. So it was uh, just getting used to these long sessions, you know, so you can just keep pushing. And, of course, you're going to get tired, but it's like, you know, keep going when you're tired. Um, speaking, of course, to Jake Shields, training partner of the Diaz brothers. This, according to Nate, what he told uh, Brett Akamoto was, this wasn't the fight I wanted. I wanted these other guys. They gave me Kamzat Shemaev. Is there something more to the Diaz brothers, both Nick and Nate, but, of course, we're, we're talking about Nate this weekend, when winning would be sticking it to the man, when winning would be an F you to everybody who said I couldn't do it, winning would be an F you to all the people that, once again, gave me the fight I didn't want, all this stuff. Does that bring something special out of Nick, Nick and Nate? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does. I mean, it's, it's big, you know, Dan, Dana, is looking, he looks on paper and he thinks it's the toughest matchup for him. So he's trying to give him the worst possible matchup. So if he can win this, it's a huge fuck you to Dana in the UFC. And I think it'll, uh, it'll make such an interesting fight story. You know, it'll be um, probably a bigger story than the Conor McGregor win. Maybe not what Washington will be, will be but a bigger story. Um, speaking, of course, to Jake Shields, uh, not just training partner of Diaz Brothers, but standout welterweight uh, in his day. What I'm curious about from you, I want to switch gears just a little bit, talk about something else. Um, Kamara Usman, Leon Edwards, yeah. of course, Leon Edwards landing the head kick, knocking him out late. People who saw your successful run through Strike Force, through the UFC, uh, I remember when you beat Hayato Sakurai. Speaking of being an upset, that was a huge upset in Shuto in yeah. Japan. You won that fight, but you also, uh, later on in Shuto, uh, I think it was Akira Kikuchi, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was kind of the start of your run. That loss, you didn't lose again until the George St. Pierre fight. Years, I mean, you, yeah. you just crushed it after that. What does that loss and coming back from defeat, what does that do for you? How can it propel you forward? 
yeah, I just think, you know, I hated losing so bad and it really bothered me and I wanted to be at the top. So I just really refocused at that point And just, you know, that, that time in my life is all I did was train, you know, didn't watch TV, didn't have internet in my house. It was just focus. All I wanted to do was train and beat people up. And, you know, I had a good run because of it. Now, the same thing for Kamar Usman, a guy who's technical, uh, you know, wrestling-centric, much like you were, a great striker, throws great punches, a little bit methodical in his approach. Um, When it comes to the rematch with Leon Edwards, is this the are you really an all-time great, do you have championship heart? Is this really the test for him, in your opinion? Uh, yeah, it's a great fight. I mean, like the Leon, the first one was good. You know, it was it was competitive fight, but he was winning. You know, going into that yeah. fifth round, and just got kicked in the face with a perfectly uh, timed kick by Leon. So it's a uh, an exciting rematch. You know, I think he's got a good shot of winning it. But Leon showed that he he belongs there at the uh, very elite level. How difficult is it to stay focused in a fight you are losing when things aren't going your way? That's when people mentally tend to fall apart. Tactically, they tend to fall apart. They kind of make an agreement. Well, all right, I'll stop fighting and this person will stop hurting me. Right. And Leon looked downtrodden, but never really threw that head kick with everything he had. He was able to say tactically in the fight. How hard is that to do when things aren't going your way, man? Yeah, it's, extre- it's extremely hard. It seems the majority of fighters, that once you're beating them up, they kind of break. You know, after beating them up for four rounds, a lot of guys don't have much fight in them. But he went out there clearly uh, clearly still looking for the knockout. And that's, you know, championship mentality. Not not very many guys have it. But, you know, that's, that, that's what separates the champions from the regular fighters. Um, I, I want to ask you a question. Last week, of course, Tai Tuovasa losing to Cyril Gaon in Paris. And... Cyril Gaon, the more versatile fighter. The guy could just do a lot of things. He, you know, it wasn't just about short-range power. He was great on the outside, great combinations. Um, He did a lot of stuff a lot of heavyweights don't do. One thing I've been hammering on this week is when you look at all the all-time greats, right, the Anderson Silvas, the John Joneses, the GSPs, they could do everything. They were well-rounded. There was no place where they weren't comfortable. On the ground, striking, clinch, all of it. And I'm curious about it. When you took on, you were one of the guys who took on GSP when GSP was in his, in his prime. How hard is it coming up with a game plan for somebody who is comfortable everywhere? What's that like mentally as a fighter, that challenge? Yeah, I mean, GSP is a hard guy to fight because, he's like you said, he's good everywhere. Great stand-up, great wrestling, and great jiu-jitsu. So he's not an easy guy to find holes. So you have to go out there and just make it a tough fight and bring it towards him. And when you look at this weekend, when you look at Kamzat Shemaev versus Nate Diaz, and you're looking for holes in somebody's game, right? And part of the problem yeah. with Kamzat Shemaev is he looks well-rounded, but we haven't seen that much of him because he has so many early finishes. Is it about the X factors later on in the fight? Rounds three, rounds four, rounds five, what we're going to see late. Getting to those rounds, is that a big part of the strategy? Yeah, I mean, 100%, because you go out there, and you know, you said a lot of his fights are so quick, it's hard to read that much. The only fight, you know, that goes the distance is with uh, Gilbert Burns. So it's he's a guy who is fairly unknown, and he definitely looks spectacular that first round, but, you know, as, as the rounds get later is how he looks. Another thing, and you've been around these guys, I'm speaking, of course, to Jake Shields, great friend of the Diaz brothers, training partner of them, came up uh, with him, Gilbert Melend- with them, Gilbert Melendez. Um, the, the fan support for the Diaz brothers, is just crazy. It's incredibly off the chart. When he spoke to Brett Akimoto and said, I'm champion of the UFC, I know what he meant, which is no matter what I do, the fans are behind me. I am the draw. Fans are always looking at me. They're always interested in what I'm doing. Whenever I have a fight, whether I'm the underdog, whether I'm the favorite, whatever it is, I'm the center of attention. Where to you does that come from? Their fan base just being 
incredibly loyal, you know, 209 Army, all this stuff. Where does that come from, having spent so much time around them, man? Yeah, man, it's crazy. Like I said, his popularity is unreal. You know, I hang out with Nate quite a bit. and He's the guy, you know, you're out, all the, all the actors, musicians are always trying to meet him. And somehow his fame has transcended, you know, the MMA fame where he turned into a main, mainstream celebrity. And I think people just love his uh, attitude. You know, he's real. He always says what's on his mind. He's down to go out there and scrap. And the fans just really relate with it. Uh, speaking of scrapping, <laughs> speaking of street fighting, uh, we saw a little of the video, right? Uh, you were training with Paulo Costa. Kamzat Shemaev came up with what looked like his team or his entourage, whatever it was. There were some words exchanged, and a, a fight almost broke out. What happened from your perspective in that moment, man? What, what was going on? Yeah, I was just sitting there uh, drilling with um, with Paulo. We were just drilling some work, and then he all of a sudden, they, those guys run up, and we hear people yelling at us. So we get up, and uh, he's yelling at Paulo, being like, let's fight right now. So we walk over there, and he keeps going like, uh, I want to fight. And Paulo's like, oh, I'll fight, you. I'll fight you later. And he goes, no, I want to fight you right now. So I'm like, okay, I go and open the cage door. You know, there's like 10 of them, but I screw it. He wants to fight right now. And then he keeps just yelling, I want to fight you right now, but he's walking away. So it's, uh, <laughs> it seemed like it was more just showing off of the cameras. Apparently, he'd been there watching us 10, 15 minutes, like, waiting for the cameras to get there and like 10 people. If he really wanted to fight, he'd ran in the cage to fight, fight, but he was just trying to, uh, to cut some promo to give himself some attention. What's your thought? I know you got to go train, man, but before you go, what's your thought as a professional who gets paid to fight, Paulo Costa gets paid to fight, Kamzat Shemaev gets paid to fight, with these kind of things where guys talking trash, you know, getting ready to fight for free, as a pro, what are your thoughts on those kind of things, man? Um... I mean, we're fighters, so it's, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll go out there and scrap. It's just people get surprised when fighters get in fights. That's what we train for. You run into someone talking shit, we're going to get in fights sometimes. As, as far as Jemaya trying to fight, you know, the week for, for his fight, someone different, I think that's stupid. You know, it's uh, he should focus on the fight in front of him, which is probably why he was, you know, not wanting to fight. But you shouldn't have been pretending like you want to fight if you don't want to fight. I'm not going to go and yell at someone, I want to fight you right now, unless I actually want to fight him right now. <laughs> so it's Sounds just, good, know, man. Yeah. Yeah, he, well, he shouldn't have been doing that. I just—I don't know why he had, had to come and say anything if he didn't want to fight. He should have just stayed away. But I guess he was trying to cut a quick little promo. <laughs> I see those every week, man. Trust me. Jake, I really appreciate your time, brother. Best of luck with the training, and best of luck with your team this weekend, man. Yeah, okay. Cool, man. So Great talking Anytime, to you. time, man. Always Jake Shields. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. We welcome in right now, courtesy of MMA Junkie USA Today, the Action Network. You can hear him, read him, and see him just about everywhere. He is Dan Tom joining us here on a Wednesday. What's up, my guy? Hey, way too kind, Ryan. Thank you guys for having me. A pleasure to be here with you both. And uh, I will say, I'm not packing a gun to put to anybody's head to tell them where to put their money. But yeah, I'm going to give you guys what I got because we got a pay-per-view this weekend that's full. That's what I like about, like, you, you bring up the, like, putting a gun 
you know, and like telling people what to do. That's the thing that, and I'm, I'm not going too far off the beaten path, but in terms of touts, and it's not just mixed martial arts, right? I'm talking about betting, betting experts in sports. So many of the people that you hear on, on radio or see on television, like they're almost required to give picks, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they have to go out and give an opinion because that's kind of the focus of their show. I like touts who come out and say, yo, yeah, yeah, it's UFC 279, but I'm staying away from everything because I don't see an edge. And Dan, I know that's boring, but listen, if you want to make money in this sport, sometimes you do have to lay off a weekend here and there, right? Absolutely. That's actually really sound advice. You're right. Not to get too off the beaten path, but I think right. for betters, whether you're casual or want to consider yourself sharp, that is actually really sound advice right there, Ryan. Yeah, you got to know what you're looking for. You When you see an edge, hammer it, right? Like, believe in your yep. edge. Believe in the legwork that you do, but don't force something. And I'm not naming names, but the, there are some people out there that I feel like are forced to make picks sometimes. And, well, they're sitting very, very well below 500, and I'll just leave it at that. Now, Dan, the main event, UFC 279, Shemaev and Diaz. We can get to the whole card, but just that main event, because I know there's so much interest there because it's a Nate Diaz fight. But I think the large sort of takeaway for the majority of folks think Nate is going to get absolutely washed. The the line reflects that is he's like plus 700 right now. Shemayev just a stupid, stupid favorite in terms of money line for a final outcome. Are there any props? Like, would you sprinkle a little bit on maybe like a like a, an, an under round prop, maybe under one and a half, or maybe something you like seeing on like a Diaz early submission? I mean, is there any sort of interest in you in this main event in terms of lines? You, you, I love where you're heading, and I'm gonna pick up that ball because you know, again, when, okay. I, when I'm speaking to you, Ryan, it's like it's it's like a a long lost brother here. We can kind of skip the foreplay, <laughs> so to speak, yeah, and get yeah. right to it because you know you see minus fourteen hundred and plus six seventy, and it's almost unbettable from a favorite side. Now, I was the guy last week saying there was value on a plus four hundred dog and tied to Ivasa, particularly in round two. Now he almost got it done in round two, but a losing. I, literally, is, you almost you almost called that, and people were giving you crap, and I was like, dude, Dan doesn't just say stuff to say it and you're right it did almost you were the first person i thought of when that happened uh on, I, on Saturday, I appreciate it yeah that was a classic dan tom call where i give you the tactics <laughs> you know cage cutting uh footwork right. uh, against yeah. the cage the spot in the octagon is going to happen i'll give you the round it doesn't mean it's going to happen because it's such a volatile game i know your co-host can tell you all about that it's it's a crazy yeah. game to predict whether you're in there or from the outside uh, but back to this fight, as far as rounds go, I'll keep it simple. I'm liking Chemayev, big surprise by the favorite, but I think round three is where we cap it off. I know it's a five-round fight. I don't know if we see round four and round five, guys, whether we get the Nate Diaz upset, which I think round two will be live. I'll touch on that here in a second. But round three, I think Chemayev can cook Nate Diaz enough. I don't know if he can submit a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt as experience as Nate, but ground and pound, and you factor in the scar tissue to where even if Nate survives and it is one-way traffic, relatively i don't know if we get in a round four with this scar tissue especially above that right eye so i like round three tko props for chemayev for the nate diaz side i would target particularly round two we saw chemayev can get kind of coaxed into these battles and he as my late great coach robert falls would say a fighter will put down the pack now can the other fighter pick up that proverbial pack we saw gilbert burns do it it costed chamayev the round but as we yeah. saw at ufc 196 against conor mcgregor it may cost you more than a round if you drop the proverbial pack in front of nate diaz so round two is live for nate good stuff and, um, i like it all right so what makes you think this and this is going to sound crazy i guess but what makes you think 
Nate Diaz makes around three. Like why, why, why three? Um, I think that not just his, his typical durability, because again, that, that cuts both sides. He's durable, but he also cuts easy, right? And cuts a doctor can stop that whenever a cut formulates. Um, Nate Diaz, more specifically, we saw it since his kind of comeback fights. He's only been kind of fighting not, not so frequently since the series with Connor. And since then, um, obviously he's still training. He's still working his boxing. He's, he still has all those skills, but if you notice, I, I don't know if it's age shifting in style, but he's almost doing like what Nick Diaz, his brother was doing later on in his career with guys like Anderson, where especially early on that first round or so, he's going to kill a lot of the clock. He's going to give you a lot of moves, a lot of time off. Um, this could be have to do with, you know, Nate Diaz having some weird camps in these examples I'm citing, but he tends to kind of play on that outside a little bit. Um, whereas Chemaev, I think the thing is he's either going to wrestle and try to grind out Nate early, or maybe he tests out his striking, which I don't think is a, a smart move. But again, in his mind, maybe he's like, well, maybe if I'm more conservative this time around and I don't go wild, like I did with Burns, um, that trend kind of goes into the reason why I, I could see this getting to the third round. Right. See, and I always kick back to like the Masvidal fight, how mm -hmm. Masvidal was able to hurt him and drop him and then control him. I guess I just yeah. feel like if he's, if we get to a second round and he can drop Nate and he gets on top of him, I just think the, the control and the ground and pound is going to be too heavy for it, it. Maybe not even knocking him out. I think he's just going to overwhelm him to a point where maybe the rep does have to step in, in two, two or three. I, I, I think the three is probably a good bet as well um i really like your second round diaz kind of play like i was telling ryan i was you know i did this funny kind of fantasy thing but it, in my head i really wouldn't be shocked to see nate get absolutely mopped in the first and chamayev being younger a little less experienced a little cocky shooting a, a you know a lazy double and mm -hmm. nate snatching a neck or, or something crazy like but that's that's why I lose all these bets <laughs> because I just <laughs> I just make up shit in my head that I like could it happen? At least he's Possibly. honest. <laughs> like right. could it happen? Is it likely? No, it's very unlikely. But if I was gonna put a play on Nate Diaz, it would be like a second round submission. Which would, I mean, Dan, I, that would, that would, that would, that would get Anthony a ton of money because obviously there's everything where you look at Nate in terms of this betting and props, it's all plus money. I mean, obviously the, the straight up money lines like plus 700, if you're just taking Nate by any sort of way, shape, form, for shape form or fashion but let me ask you dan like the the under uh a one and a half round prop that's sitting at plus 125 i think chamayev is gonna win i'm going to think i think that it's going to be effective and quick i think it's going to be under a round and a half but i just don't see the value in plus 125 like that's such a a rare occurrence against a guy like nate diaz because you know he's tough as nails he drags it out even in the fights where he's got absolutely dog walked he makes it over one and a half so i i i find i I like your idea of picking the specific round. I think you said round three and I, and you gave your reasonings for that. Again, I think it's going to happen before three. I think it's going to happen before one and a half, but again, Dan, I can't justify it at plus plus one twenty-five because it's just not juicy enough for me. Well, well, all this talk here kind of says that the odds makers got it right. And it really kind of yes. backs up um, Anthony, Anthony's round two inklings either way, as far as being a hot round, because the bookmakers believe that round two as well, like Anthony thinks it's going to be a hot round. And with my, I guess, theory, as far as why Diaz 
could get a round two finish. Well, that obviously mm-hmm. makes makes Chimaev live in that round two. So, you know, there's people that I respect that are on the Chimaev round two for that reason. Um, yeah. I just feel like it's a trap round. If Chimaev sells out for it in round two, he better get it because if he doesn't, I like that. Uh, I think I think he's gonna he's gonna put down the pack pretty heavily, and that's gonna give a window. It doesn't mean Nate's gonna win, but it's definitely gonna give him a window in that round two. So round two is the hot round, folks. All I right. Like so it. I guess my last question on this fight, just because I'm curious and I, I love hearing like your analysis and your breakdowns and how you look at it. All the betting lines aside, all the money aside, all that bullshit gone. How do you genuinely feel this fight goes? Uh, honestly, honestly, the same, the, the same way, man. Uh, I, yeah. I, I feel like for me, it's either, it's either putting my bias aside or not. Cause my bias is the thing that changes it for me for my bias. I'm rooting for Nate Diaz all day. Right. Uh, as an underdog <laughs> here. Um, right. but, but, but at, at, at both. Well, that's good. Dan, and, uh, Dan, I don't mean yeah. to cut you off, but that's no, a ahead. really good admission on your behalf because I feel like a lot of people out there feel the same way. They love Nate. They've been riding with him for yeah. 15 years. They knew his brother, they're MMA diehards, but they also know fighting well enough that they're like well shit it is Hamza and that's a struggle <laughs> yes, I think yes. everyone's kind of having with right Yes, absolutely. And, and for what it's worth for people, for, for you know, just for people's information, because I think it's a great question Anthony poses. When I do break things down as an analyst, I try to keep that same hat for betting, you know, because both of them, uh, you got to be as le- as less emotionless as possible. It's hard. Sure. Obviously, we all have biases. Um, you know, you can't separate those, especially like if you've participated in the game or have any kind of connection, you're going to have a bias, right? You've been training at a gym, you're going to have a bias there. These are sure. human nature. So that's the hard part for me. But yeah, honestly, all biases aside whether it's analysts or betting i am leaning towards Shemaev uh, round three obviously you get it done earlier than that round two is going to be that hot round uh submission wise dan and i will we'll, we'll leave this here the main event in terms of uh you know getting the rest of the card but submission wise i know there's a lot of people out there prop wise it is a little juicy for hamzat via, via submission because of nate's you know obviously storied career as a ground fighter um do, do you think chamayev could could pull up a submission against diaz and that would that be worth sprinkling anything on that even by a round just by method of victory do you think that would be worth taking a stab at or is is the money is the minus money not worth it even at that point uh, I think it's possible because something I laid out in my breakdown as far as why Chimaev, I think that he's a bad matchup grappling wise is that Nate Diaz's submission attacks kind of play in the Hamzat strength. For example, Nate Diaz will go a double wrist lock figure four to Kimura, right? But what is Hamzat like? It likes shuck buys. And even George Masvidal can hit like, you know, and George Masvidal, underrated wrestler, but he was hitting the most obvious shuck buys in the world. And he went, you know, uh, one for whatever, or two or three for whatever. Uh, Mm -hmm. Nate wasn't able to stop any of them. I don't think he's going to be able to do that with Hamzat. So you've got back exposure takedowns right there when Nate Diaz like is it. scrambling whether he's attacking for the guard he'll turtle and give his back and again where does Hamza make his money when guys turtle on him so Nate's going to be giving him his spots to submit him for people that want to sprinkle I don't blame you I'm probably going to stick with the TKO by strikes yeah I like God, it though you're, you're I like pretty it. good at this you're pretty I was going to say good Anthony, at this for, Anthony there's a, do you well, not there's a lot of an anal- analyst there a, from Dan yeah the, you, because you like you you get a lot of betting analysts and guys that are talking about bets and lines and all that stuff and it's always so so money based it's well it's so money based like well there's not enough value here so i'm gonna go here and that's absolutely a way to bet but i love the like no there's no there's not a lot of you know quote-unquote betting guys that are talking about figure four grips and kimuras and and how nate and because that's how i break the fight down like i do it from an analyst point of view like i picked up on the the turtling like nate 
uses the turtle to stay safe a lot, yep. which for me personally, I'm a back take guy. So I'm like, fucking please nice. give me one of those guys. <laughs> give me a guy that wants <laughs> the turtle and give his back, please. Um, I just never get one, but like, I would like, uh, Chimaev attacks the back very similar uh, as I do. He rides a little differently than I do. I'm very much both hooks in body triangle, you know, double unders, but Chimaev likes to like kind of like that folk style wrestling ride, chop the arm, get him flat. You know, he likes to ride one hook when he does go hooks, um, which is plays, which plays right into Nate Diaz's jujitsu game um, negatively for Nate Diaz. So I, sure. I love that. I just wanted to give you props for that. Yeah. That's huge coming from you, Anthony. It's funny. I was just showing someone a clip of you using a two-on-one or Ryan Spann's two-on-one grip to take his back. So like you said, Anthony, some guys you just don't want to give your back to. You're definitely one of them, brother. I appreciate that. Good stuff. Uh, and man. I appreciate and, and, people that pick up on like grips because it, it gets lost so much on, on it's, it's fighting, unsung. like the, the, the hand control and wrist control. My whole game in jujitsu, mm -hmm. it's a hundred percent based on wrist control. Like, I can control your wrist and pretty much do whatever the fuck I want. Uh, it's the guys that like Vulcan Ozdemir, really, really tough guy to control his wrist. He just mm -hmm. really fought the wrist control well. But like Ryan Spann, it's the easiest submission I ever got because he just let me do it. Right. Yeah, man, you're, you're, you're half guard. I'll share that clip of you half guard sweeping. Uh, uh, what's his name? Andrew Sanchez any day. That was beautiful. The cross wrist control on that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's unsung hero in all martial arts. Unsung hero. And, this is, and Dan, this is why I was so excited to bring you on because few do their homework and know the game like you do. You've been training. You've been covering the sport a long time. And I knew Anthony would love this. And I knew the listeners would as well because I use your stuff. I read your stuff. I look at your breakdowns and your clips. And and it is always profound and you always pull great insight out. Dan, I, I thought we were going to get more time to talk about the rest of this card. We spent so much time on the main event. Just give me a couple other lines you're looking at through the rest of this card, main, main card prelims or otherwise. What are you feeling? What are you really hooked on as we go into this weekend at UFC 279? Make me some money. Let's what keep, do we got? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's keep, the us, well, let's, keep, let's keep the theme of betting against our heart, right? So we're betting on heartbreak here because I love Nate I Diaz. Like you know, one of my favorite fighters are to breakdown is tony ferguson fortunately i'll be looking on the Jing liang side uh in rounds two and three perhaps a blanket tko prop um at even money again i will be happy to lose that bet because i love tony ferguson but as an analyst as an unbiased better um that's kind of just how i see it rounds two and three and then of course uh, one of the other big matches that i'll be uh targeting um as I'm drawing a blank on that now, sorry. Uh, it is, uh, where is it, where is it, where is it? Oh, Daniel Rodriguez, Kevin Holland. Um, I okay. was looking at D-Rod because I love me some Southpaws uh, as a Southpaw uh, bias over here. But that being said, I actually like Kevin Holland here. I think Kevin Holland round one. Otherwise, it gets to be a competitive decision where Kevin Holland still probably should go through as your parlay piece, but that's where I'm looking. I like it. All right, I got one more. I know I'm supposed to let you go, but I got one more. Um, so the pay-per-view, the pay-per-view opener, Johnny Walker, Iwan Kutilaba. As an analyst, these fights are, are impossible for me to break down because both those guys are so, I don't know, they're so Erratic. unpredictable. Yeah, they're yeah. unpredictable. They don't really have <laughs> yeah. a set style. And honestly, it's why we like watching these guys fight, but also why neither guy will probably ever fight for a title. Could they, be, on any given day, could they catch someone and knock anyone in the division out? For sure. But could they consistently work their way through our rankings and work their way to a title? and win it I, I think that's highly unlikely but how do you like do you even do you stay away from fights like that completely because of the unpredictability and, and maybe the lack of fundamentals and the lack of I don't uh, consistency on both those guys parts like how do you how do you bet fights like that like a 
Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler fight is very similar to me, even yeah. though those guys are obviously a different caliber. But that's another one of those fights that seems impossible to to try to break down and bet because you really don't know what's going to happen. This is tough because uh, at surface value, you got two wild and crazy guys, but Kudlaba uh, got, he, he paid the price for getting crazy, right? So now does he kind of reverse trend and go conservative? Stated bias, he's got my guy, Eric Nixick, training at my gym, Extreme Couture, um, in his corner. So, you know, there can be improvements there, but it doesn't matter who your corner is. It's, it's up to the guy that's in there ultimately, right? And conversely, you've got kind of like with Tony Ferguson going to Jackson Wink for this camp. Uh, you've got uh, Johnny Walker training at SBG Ireland. Now, these are no slights at these camps in, uh, in particular at all. But, Anthony, you can sentiment this. Sometimes just certain camps are better fits for certain fighters. It's nothing personal, right? So when we're trying to break these fights down, we have to kind of do that math, math too. And with the Jackson Wink thing and with the SBG thing, they have a lot of their fighters fighting out fighting games, trying to stay long behind jabs, front kicks, uh, those sort of things. So if you've got that conservative trend that Walker's already shown, and then perhaps Perhaps a conservative trend, even for a wild man like Cute Laba. Maybe you look at that plus 500 by decision. Otherwise, you're paying chalk to back Cute Laba, who I think is going to win, even unbiasedly. And the odds makers have an even money, so pretty much chalked up that he's going to win by TKO. So unless you think he's going to get the sub or you want to go contrarian and this goes long, maybe you just do a small, small sprinkle on a big number or stay away outright. Small sprinkles on big numbers or stay away go. outright. That's the best way for these volatile fights. I love it. Set setting the table, Anthony Smith, courtesy of Dan Tom right there. You can find him at Twitter at Dan Tom MMA. You can see him and read him at MMA Junkie USA Today, the Action Network. Truly one of the hardest working men or women in this sport. One of the best analysts. Dan Tom, thank you so much for joining us on a Wednesday, man. Pleasure to join you, Ryan, and you, Anthony. Love both you guys, as well as Din, who's not here. So just sh shouts to all of y'all. <laughs> Thanks, Shout man. out Take to care. Dan Tom. MMA on Sirius XM is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Unlocking the Cage weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern and MMA Today Tuesday to Thursday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156, and on the SXM app. Sirius XM Podcasts.